Hello and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist analysis podcast from the Socialist Party. The Tories proposed reform of the Gender Recognition Act to simplify the process by which trans people have their gender recognised has provoked controversy and debate. This hasn't just been among establishment politicians, but also within the trade union and labour movement. So this week, we're busting the myths of what the proposals actually mean, and discussing how a socialist programme can cut across divisive ideas about supposedly competing rights. Over to Sarah Rack. I'm here today with Sarah Sachs-Eldridge, who is the national organiser of the Socialist Party. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about the Gender Recognition Act, the GRA. Um, So we'd like to start with kind of explaining why we're discussing this issue at all. We've had a few articles in our publications on it and, and so on. So why do you think that it's important for us as socialists to have an understanding of the fight for trans rights as a, as a whole? Well, I think that is a good starting point. And I suppose for us, we start with the very basic idea that an injury to one is an injury to all. And that's a kind of traditional slogan of the workers' movement. And I suppose to dive right in, we're, we, we're trying to build a socialist world that it would be without inequality, without op- oppression. And this goes right back to the start, really, where Lenin, who was one of the leaders of the Russian Revolution in 1917, that revolution that saw workers take power and start to establish a real workers' uh, democracy, he wrote um, that it's impossible to build that new socialist world order if the slightest element of compulsion exists against minorities. And that's our approach. And it's absolutely clear that trans people suffer oppression and discrimination under capitalism. Look at how Donald Trump um, has targeted trans people specifically Mm -hmm. for attack. And that's including banning uh, trans Uh, people from serving in the military did it by tweet I think as is his way Uh, and it's correct where campaigners for trans rights have linked um, violence that trans people uh, face with the anti-transgender laws like uh, Trump has made and like the bathroom bills that we've seen in some of the states in the US Uh, you know they try to police uh, who may use gender specific public facilities And I suppose to start off as well, we should say that it is largely due to the courageous struggle by trans people themselves uh, that the oppression that they face is becoming more widely Mm. understood. Um, But there's definitely still a lot more work to do. Uh, But at the same time, that that has resulted in important changes uh, in attitudes and some legal changes as well, because the GRA is being discussed here. But nine countries, I think, so far have already introduced... Um, the the right to uh, self-declaration that includes Ireland, Portugal, Malta, Argentina, uh, a whole a whole list of them. And in Britain, even before this whole debate broke out, there was in the British Social Attitudes Survey, uh, it found that 82% of people describe themselves as not prejudiced at all to transgender, gen- transgender uh, people. Um, so yeah, I suppose basically we want to fight all uh, oppression Um, and for us that means and we'll go on to discuss this obviously both supporting legal changes uh, to simplify the process of of self-identification but also investment in the services that are needed and public health Mm -hmm. uh, etc etc and fighting against austerity and I was just going to mention if that's okay um, 
the government did a consultation at the end of the last six months of last year, basically, and we responded to that. We participated in that uh, consultation and said that progressive legal changes are not enough, that um, obviously sufficient resources are also uh, vital, um, and that the cuts in public services are impacting on the ability of everybody to access the services uh, that, that we need. Um, so, yeah, that's you know where we would we would start from, I suppose. And so you you said there, um, you know, we support the the simplification of people gaining recognition um, for their their gen- gender, and I think that's important because there's a lot of confusion about what is actually being proposed. The fact that the Gender Recognition Act already exists, mm-hmm. um, but there is a proposal for reforming it for, like you say, simplifying that process. So, what exactly is being proposed? Yeah, yeah no, I think that's a very good question. Because the Tories proposed um, reform to the uh, Gender Recognition Act back in 2016, some time ago now, obviously. And at that time, Theresa May had announced that the government was seeking to streamline and demedicalise the process of changing uh, gender. And she said at the time, because being trans is not an illness, which obviously it isn't. Um, And we would welcome any improvements to the GRA and all legal improvements. And three main changes are sought. So that is a move from a medical process uh, to a legal process to change your birth certificate, um, uh, to reduce the age from 18 to 16, and uh, for non-binary people who don't define themselves as exclusively male or exclusively female to be legally uh, recognised. But surprise, surprise, the Tories have proved themselves extremely unreliable allies. And as you can see in that proposal, there is nothing, um, no no question of dealing with the LGBT action plan that shows the major needs of trans people, such as NHS mental health services not being funded, etc. And the research even by the Government Equalities Office in 2016 found that LGBT specialist services are at significant risk as a result of Tory cuts. So those things are not mm. included, not proposed as improvements to the t- 2004 Act. So um, you also said in your introduction that our starting point really is um, that we're against all forms of oppression and it's very clear uh, that trans people do face oppression. And how is that manifesting mm. itself, particularly uh, at the moment? Yeah, I mentioned the British Social Attitude Survey, which showed, you know, the overwhelming majority of people not uh, prejudiced, but that's not universal. Mm. And there was a survey by an employment law firm that found a third of employers said they'd be less likely to employ a transgender candidate for a job. And a further 47% admitted that they would be unsure about hiring such a person. And that contributes to a situation, I'm just going to give a few statistics because I think Mm. they're important, a situation where, for example, in 2012, the trans mental health uh, study found that 81% of respondents, and I think this is incredible, 81% of respondents feared and avoided certain social or public situations such as gyms, public toilets and shops. What an impact that would have on your life. 38% had experienced sexual harassment, 37% physical threats or intimidation for being transgender. A 2017 Stonewall uh, YouGov survey found that 41% of trans people had experienced a hate crime or incident because of their gender identity in the previous six months. In the US, the statistics, um, almost half experienced depression and anxiety, 41% 
are estimated to have attempted suicide. Uh, closer to home, Glasgow and Clyde Rape Crisis reports that transgender people experience sexual violence at a disproportionate rate and then also find uh, support more difficult to access. And horrifically, Stonewall reports that between 2008 and 2014, 1,612 trans people were murdered across 62 countries. And then, of course, we know that black and minority ethnic trans people face even greater oppression. So I think those statistics speak to a world of, uh, of, of oppression, inequality and, and suffering that is, you know, requires a response from, the, um, from socialists, from the labour movement, from trade unions and so on. Mm. Yeah, no, they're really devastating statistics and obviously... Um, support what you said about the need for us to support all steps forward um, as we are with the GRA reform, then I suppose people might be surprised that this proposal is being made by a Tory government. Uh, and it's definitely the case, isn't it, that the Tories have a truly terrible record, actually, on LGBT rights. Absolutely. I mean, I've already mentioned the impact of Tory austerity on LGBT services, which is devastating, but their record goes way back. It's over 30 years now that the Local Government Act uh, in 1988 was enacted in England, Scotland and Wales by Thatcher's Conservative government and its introduction had a major impact, especially on young LGBT uh, plus people um, and as a result of that um, young people especially suffered because it was about the schools uh, and so on um, they suffered an epidemic of name-calling at best, with many experiencing physical attacks for their sexuality as well. Many LGBT uh, plus students um, would hear about their sexuality for the first time in relation to HIV and AIDS, uh, not, you know, uh, open uh, sex education in school and so on. And today, young LGBT plus people are, are more likely to experience mental health problems and are twi as, twice as likely to self-harm or attempt suicide. And that is part of the legacy of this uh, Act, Section 28, uh, of Thatcher and the Tories. Um, and just to mention, actually, that Section 28 was then repealed under the Blair New Labour government in 2003 after years of campaigning and fighting uh, especially by LGBT people themselves, but also by trade unionists. Um, but that repeal failed to take any steps to undo the damage of Section 28. And a decade and a half later from its repeal, teachers and students are still having to fight for sex education that positively includes LGBT plus issues. So that's just, you know, a, a big example, but uh, there, there's more, obviously, as well. Yeah. So that history then kind of exposes that it's not um, a wish from the Tories to, you know, give everyone a nice life or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why why are they proposing this? What is a step forward with the GRA? Yeah, you're right. They are absolutely unreliable allies for LGBT people, for women, for anyone who faces oppression in, in capitalist society. And we think that the Tories' commitment to updating the GRA was really seen as a, a largely financially cost-free attempt to cut across the hatred of the Tories. We mm. know that the Tories are literally dying out from, from having had millions of members in the 80s. They're now down to 100,000 or so, who knows, um, because they can't attract people to join their party on the programme of austerity and so on. And across the world, 
there are no governments in this era of capitalist crisis that are stable and popular because they're all implementing austerity and attacks on the working class and offer no solutions or no way out to plummeting living standards to the idea that the next generation is going to suffer more than uh, past generations. And that hatred was really made clear in the 2017 SNAP general election. So they'd initiated the review of the GRA, but kind of came back to it in October after that uh, SNAP general election. And like I said, I think it's an attempt by the Tories to um, cut across that odium that they face, try and present themselves as progressive. Uh, Theresa May has worn a feminist t-shirt, trying to present themselves as standing up for, for women, for LGBT people, but they are absolutely anything but. I mean, look at May, she's pushing, or has been She's not really pushing anything at the moment, uh, but she has been pushing uh, a bill on domestic violence. But Tory austerity is leading to the annihilation of domestic violence services and refuges. And ultimately, who are the Tories? They are a party that is, you know, there to defend the system of, of capitalism. And capitalism is based on exploitation of the majority by the super rich minority, the capitalists. And it therefore has inequality and oppression woven into its uh, very fabric. We can see some legal changes come through, um, but in reality, that uh, their system will mean uh, uh, suffering, greater suffering, cuts, and so on. Um, but and those legal changes can only be, you know, fought for really on the basis of mass mass movements, mass pressure being built up. And then even on the legal changes, um, the Tories do expose themselves, don't they? Because they have kind of shown that they they're, that they're not reliable allies on this issue mm. in the process of the the consultation, haven't they? They have absolutely, because nothing has happened yet. Like mm. I said, it started in twenty sixteen. Uh, I think they've been through six um, women and minorities ministers uh, uh, since uh, women and sorry equalities ministers since twenty fourteen. Uh, just reflecting the instability that they have for one thing, um, and. Then, as a kind of further delay, really, uh, they launched a a six-month consultation up to uh, last uh, November. Now, this is in the context of where quite a toxic debate had arisen. Um, And just to say a bit about that, because some opponents of the GRA reform had attempted in the course of that uh, debate to, what I would say, really kind of weaponise the Equalities Act of 2010 um, and to say that the right of right to self-identify for trans people would undermine equality legislation uh, for women and undermine women's services. We utterly reject that argument and go on to talk about that hopefully a bit. Um, But just even on the Equality Act, what is the Equality Act? It's the uh, kind of combination of four previous acts, including race relations, the Equal Pay Act of 1968. So, you know, rights that had been legal changes to the law that had been really fought for by movements of working class people. The Ford's Dagenham workers, obviously, in particular in relation to the women workers in relation to the Equal Pay Act. Um, And it was, you know, that legislation was an expression of Um, women workers overcoming the argument that their rights would be an infringement on male workers rights and winning the trade unions to that idea the need to um, you know unite in struggle uh, and cut across the ability of the Ford's bosses to play one well men off against uh, women workers and that's very rich in lessons I think for us uh, today and the government consultation really took its lead from that quite um, divisive approach of, of, of saying that 
uh, trans rights to self-identify was a threat. So in her introduction to that consultation, Penny Mordaunt, the Tory MP who's the current think still the current uh, women and equalities uh, minister who's also been involved in the closure of fire services and so on she wrote well to call it disingenuous is probably kind but anyway she wrote in the introduction to that that we particularly want to hear from women's groups who we know have expressed some concerns about the implications of our proposals to be clear this consultation focuses on the gender recognition act we are not proposing to amend the equality act 2010 and the protections contained within it but then of 22 questions, questions 12 through to 19 are all about what respondents believe might be the impact on the Equality mm. Act. Um, for example, number 12, just to pick it out, do you think that the participation of trans people in sport as governed by the Equality Act will be affected by changing the Gender Recognition Act? Well, in our submission from the Socialist Party to that, you know, what we have to say is that that's a sham question, isn't it? A sham mm. consultation. We wrote that we do we don't know what the changes are that they're proposing because they weren't contained in the in the consultation. But what we do know is that Tory austerity, privatization, academization, and school funding cuts have an impact on everybody's ability to participate in sport. And we said that the questions really do invite speculation, but also confusion, and that they also we felt were designed to throw sand into the rising awareness of what trans oppression is and the need for collective struggle against both austerity uh, and oppression. Um, so, yeah, you kind of described there the uh, toxic debate and kind of exploiting it in a way to, um, uh, yeah, exploit people's fears about mm. services and so on. Right. And I think it might have um, surprised some people that that's not only amongst like the representatives of the mm. capitalist class, MPs and so on, that that controversy has been going on, that there's been a really sharp and toxic debate in the workers' movement as mm. well. Why do you think that that's, uh, that's come up? Yeah, no, that's right. And it's you know really unfortunate that such a toxic debate has opened up, but it has and, and we have to, to deal with it. And unfortunately, it's been because you know some of the people who've sort of taken a lead so far um, have framed the debate within the idea of um, that there are irre irreconcilable and competing rights by different oppressed groups in society and I suppose again our starting point on that is that under capitalism the wealth and power uh, in society is concentrated in the hands of the richest few and the Tories then tell us that there are insufficient resources to meet all our needs. Um, we've seen that from the condemns, you know, launching the campaign of skivers and scroungers. We've seen it in attempts to divide young people from old, saying, mm. you know, that's what the, where the threat to, to young people's access to housing comes from. Obviously, it comes mm. from uh, decades of, like, new Labour and Tory governments failing to build council homes, uh, allowing private uh, uh, house builders to hoard uh, land and so on. Um, and their attempts to... Uh, to divide workers and not and we'd say that the real enemy is uh, the bosses the Tories cutting benefits and services the bosses paying poverty wages etc etc and a united struggle is needed to defeat those attempts to uh, divide us and that's one that recognizes and fights the different oppressions 
sections of the working class face and also for a greater share for the working class in general. And we'd say that it's on the basis of democratic socialist planning and of the working class really participating in the organisation and management of society that we can reconcile those different needs. Uh, and in the hands of those who work within the limits of capitalism, i.e. who say that the working class is only allowed this tiny mm. share and obviously austerity is an attempt to even reduce that share further, uh, it'll be about uh, which groups' needs can be met and which groups can suffer. And we have to absolutely reject uh, that idea. Um, and we think it's, you know, therefore absolutely vital that this debate takes, that the debate on this take uh, on these issues takes place um, in the workers' movement and in the trade unions. And it's my understanding that where uh, trade union members have had the opportunity to hear from trans members about the experience like we outlined earlier on, that the votes are to back changes, uh, improvements to the uh, Gender Recognition Act. And I think that shows, for example, the real capacity that there is for solidarity uh, within the workers' movement. But you're right, uh, those ideas have been largely absent from the debate as people will see it um, played out uh, so far. And... Uh, we have to recognise that there is a real fear. So particularly, as I said, you know, Penny Morden has played on this idea that has been put out that, that women are going to, to suffer. And we have to recognise that there is a real basis for women's concerns, that their rights, access to services and safety are being compromised because they are by Tory austerity. And so we don't accept that it's a threat from, from trans people gaining legal rights but from the cuts that are being uh, made and from the sexism that exists within capitalist and class society and I was just going to use an example um, that people may or may not have seen but it was in the Financial Times where it highlighted how um, you know this comes back to the one of the, the, the key parts that's been discussed is the question of, of toilets um, and in 2016 um, the decision was made by the Barbican Cultural Centre in London to convert some women's toilets into gender neutral facilities and that kind of prompted quite a bit of debate, confusion, chaos and obviously queues because women already have to queue for toilets. There's never enough toilets uh, for women in places like that. Um, and, you know, instead of, we'd say, addressing the that, that there aren't enough uh, women's toilets and constructing gender neutral bathrooms in addition, the Barbican's impulse was to make a cut. So, you know, we would say that we need a movement that is going to fight for adequate toilets, adequate public services, adequate domestic violence services and rights uh, for all. And let's not forget, there's not a lack of, you know, finance in society. In 2017, the billionaires made more money in that year than any in recorded uh, history. And just bringing it on from toilets onto the question of domestic violence services, because that's what's been raised uh, elsewhere as well. So on that issue, we would say that first and foremost, the struggle to keep domestic violence services open is, is the first task, but also to make them safe for all the service users and the workers within them. And listeners might have seen that Women's Aid in Scotland did a broad survey of service users and workers and on that basis have 
um, got an, an inclusive approach where the services are open to all women fleeing violence, includes, uh, tra including trans women who self-identify. Now, added to that, they say that robust screening uh, processes and refuges are, are absolutely vital to ensure that the perpetrators of violence are not able to enter refuges or find out information about residents, whatever their gender. And such a screening uh, process would also, you know, be necessary to assess risks at all stages to ensure the safety of all. Um, and that includes women who may be at risk to themselves uh, or, or others being referred to separate support services. But screening services, separate services, they're questions of resources, aren't they? Um, and uh, staff, secure and ongoing funding, because funding for so many of these services is very precarious. Um, we want it to be publicly funded under you know, council control, uh, permanently funded. Um, and the expansion of public services, obviously, is required. And, and that is linked to the question of ending austerity, of fighting austerity, of fighting for um, needs budgets in the council. So we've got services that meet the needs of all groups in society. And we would say that linked to that, well, um, the starting point for that struggle against austerity and the struggle for the resources that we all need is fighting for the maximum unity of the working class and struggle to secure them. And the, that Financial Times article finishes you know, with a warning that uh, as the government's public consultation on reforming the 2004 Gender Recognition Act com comes to a close, it should be mindful that pitting, pitting citizens against one another will only polarise and divide our societies further. It says nobody wins in a rivalry of rights and we would say yes neither women nor trans people win in a rivalry of rights but ultimately the defenders of capitalism and the um, perpetrators of austerity and cuts uh, do win if our movement is uh, divided. And yeah, it's what that's kind of um those points are extremely missing from the debate, aren't they? Mm. And really I think you've seen unfortunately some of the self-appointed leaders from both sides of this toxic debate mm. putting forward very divisive ideas on the one hand quite reactionary ideas about trans people um and, you know, that their rights should be limited. And on the other, a certain idea that women are in some way, that non-trans women are in a privileged position um, through that, which is, you know, would not be our uh, approach, obviously. Mm. Um, so what, I mean, you outlined quite a, a good um, number of ideas there. Are there other aspects of a programme we put forward to try and cut across those ideas? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose I would start with, you know, that with an explanation of why trans people and why women suffer oppression under capitalism, because I think the programme and how we fight for it and, and who are our allies, you know, all the things that we've been discussing kind of flows from that. And we'd say that women's oppression uh, is rooted in the emergence of uh, societies based on class divisions and that it's so intertwined with class society, including in capitalism, today's dominant form of class society, that it's you know can't be seen really separately or ended without eliminating class society itself, and capitalism inherited from um, former uh, class societies 
its gender ideology and has used it to serve its economic interests. So with austerity, for example, we see that a bit more coming to the fore where women are having to take up the slack of austerity cuts to services, suffering low pay, precarious working, zero contracts, etc. Um, but also women moving into the workplace did challenge some of those um, ideas that came from uh, previous societies um of the you know rigid uh, gender roles and social attitudes etc etc but um the you know linked to that is the way there's the 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 role that the family plays in class society as a a unit of of social control and like i say in the provider of free services bring mm. bringing up children and and so on work in the home mostly carried out by by women and i would say that trans gay lesbian and bisexual people because they, in a way, challenge that family unit and therefore can't be tolerated by the defenders of uh, capitalist capitalism, you know, are that's why they also face uh, oppression. And our conclusion, therefore, is that the fight against trans oppression and women's oppression is completely tied up with the fight against capitalism and the struggle for the socialist transformation of society. And to go back again, you know, we started with um, Lenin and, and the Russian Revolution. Unfortunately, that degenerated and the de degeneration of the, the Russian workers' state as a result of its poverty and isolation meant that the real equality uh, that was being fought for by the, the workers' democracy was, was never achieved. But nonetheless, it does show what could be possible, I think, because um, legal changes were made that were decades ahead of many capitalist countries. Free childcare, communal restaurants, public laundries, they were never fully implemented, but they gave a glimpse of how the domestic burden on women could be lifted. Legal changes included uh, women's right to vote, civil marriage and divorce were requested by either partner, equal pay, paid maternity leave. And then in 1926, it became legal to change your sex on passports, intersex and transgender people received access to medical care without state demonisation. Um, you know, those ad advances were for women and for LGBT plus people were unprecedented uh, freedoms mm. at that time. And I think the key lesson that comes out of that for us is that the working class is the agent capable of overthrowing capitalism and thereby by opening the door to building a society with real equality for all without oppression. And as I said, you know, the Socialist Party stands against all forms of oppression for trans rights. I'd say we're involved in this. We're involved in it by, by writing on the GRA, by exposing the Tories by answering some of the the lies and the divisive ideas that have been put out we've been key in some of the debates in the trade unions in defending the democratically agreed position of the trade unions and also by explaining um the 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 role that the working class can play in this struggle we're key in the um, women's lives matter campaign as well that is fighting to defend domestic violence uh, services and obviously, we want domestic violence services, as we've said, for, for all who need them, uh, women, uh, trans people, etc., etc. Um, and they are under, I would say, kind of mortal threat, threat of annihilation by, by Tory austerity. Uh, and there's, I don't need to make the point how absolutely vital they are in uh, offering a, a chance to uh, escape uh, very violent and potential and, uh, circumstances and potentially uh, death. But... 
Um, 60% of those seeking a refuge at the moment are unable to be housed, uh, most commonly due to lack of space. One in four domestic abuse refuges have lost all government money for therapeutic support. State funding is at its lowest uh, uh, ever uh, levels. Um, and so we really need action on that. And we would say that on that issue, councils could really take a lead. Uh, there's 125 Labour-led councils in Scotland, England and Wales, and they hold about £14 billion in usable uh, uh, general fund housing and capital receipt reserves. And, we, you know, part of our programme on this issue and on for women's uh, rights is to call on Labour councils to reject the Tory cuts that deny women these essential life-saving services and to refuse to make the cuts uh, to, to the, the funding. And Women's Lives Matter correctly calls on Labour councils to set budgets based on needs to use those reserves and borrowing powers um, to fund it. And we think that a clear pledge from Shadow Chancellor John MacDonald would give confidence to those Labour councillors who really want to defend women. And the campaign is launching a, a petition to call on John MacDonald to guarantee that an incoming Labour government would replenish any reserves a Labour council used to avoid cuts to domestic violence services and refuges now and underwrite uh, borrowing made for the same uh, purpose. The campaign against domestic violence, I think, offers a lot of uh, lessons in a programme that could be developed now. It was initiated by Socialist Party members in the 1990s, but rapidly became a broad-based campaign. And it established for the first time uh, domestic violence as a workplace and trade union issue uh, and won workplace rights. Councils adopted policies on uh, domestic violence. Obviously, they're things that we need now need to uh, try and re-win. And we hope that, um, you know, working with Women's Lives Matter will be a way uh, to do that. Housing is a key issue for trans people, especially young people, and our programme for rent control for a mass programme of council house building, we think... Uh, would be is is really key. We stand for an NHS um, that provides the services needed by all, absolutely central and key to the fight for trans equality. So fully publicly funded and free at the point of use. Uh, kick out the the privatizers in the NHS, and we've played an important role in many uh, parts of the country in. Um, you know, being able to mobilise large numbers of people to successfully defend services that were under threat from uh, cuts and closure. And like I've mentioned a few times, I think, but, but it's absolutely key. Fighting austerity is key to the fight for trans rights, um, free education, um, and obviously linked to that is the urgent need to fight. We, we want mass action, mass demonstrations and strikes to push the need for a general election urgently mm. to get the Tories out and to fight for a Corbyn-led anti-austerity government. And that would have to be linked to the need to transform the Labour Party because within the Labour Party, you've got the likes of Caroline Flint and so on who've intervened to say, you know, on the side of this idea of, of dividing trans people and, and, and women and others as well. And we know the role that the Blairites play in trying to divide uh, workers, but also it, that their programme is austerity light, is to attack Corbyn and so on. So, you know, we would stand for mandatory reselection to, to kick out the Blairites, the rebuilding of democratic structures to transform the Labour Party so that it can fight for a programme that would uh, meet the needs uh, of all. A socialist programme, we believe that should be, starting with the nationalisation of the banks, the uh, commanding heights of the uh, economy, to start to uh, uh, build and to be able to democratically plan the economy in the interests of all. So, 
yeah, we, we, we fight on every front, really. We fight for trans rights. We fight for not just legal rights, but the right to live a life free from uh, austerity, the cuts, the misery that comes from uh, from capitalism. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've given a good outline there of how um, this battle links to many of the others that we're involved in. Uh, and there's definitely issues there that we should come back to in future episodes. I think particularly we should probably look at having an episode on the roots of women's oppression um, and maybe one on the Women's Lives Matter campaign and lessons of the campaign against domestic violence as well. So thanks very much for joining us, Sarah. Thank you very much. For links to some of our articles and more related to the GRA, head over to the episode notes at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash podcast. And if you like what you read there and want to receive our publications regularly, you can subscribe to the Socialist Newspaper and Socialism Today magazine at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash subscribe, as well as subscribing to this podcast in your podcast app. We'll leave you with a brief clip from this weekend's Tories Out demonstration and the lively Socialist Party and Socialist Students block, accompanied by drumming from the Refugee Rights Campaign. Please email socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk with your campaigning clips, including short interviews for future episodes. <laughs>